0: Hello, Duke basketball fans. Welcome to the first off-season edition of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. I am here. I am your host this week, Jason Evans. I'm glad to speak to all of you. And I am joined, as always, by my compadres, Samuel Klein and Donald Wine. Donald, tell us where you are this evening.
1: Uh, I am back in my home in Washington, D.C. It's been a couple of weeks since I uh, uh, have spoken with you guys. I'm glad to hear your voice. But this also is a historical podcast. like. It's the first time we've had to talk about uh, a season that Duke didn't win the national championship. And I, I don't know how to start.
0: Uh, it is difficult. It is difficult. But uh, it's a season that and we'll reflect on it in a moment. It's a season that unquestionably uh, we all feel like was a tremendous success. We enjoyed it. Oh, so, so much, even if it didn't end with uh, Duke on a winning streak, which, um, you know, only only really one. Of the really good teams gets to claim that. Um, the other guy in our podcast, the third member, the third wheel, <laughs> Sam Klein. You in Denver tonight, Sam?
2: I am. I am. I am home in my apartment in my normal uh, recording space. Uh, to echo Donald, it's also excellent to hear from you guys. I know that we haven't recorded in a while. We kind of we uh, you know Duke obviously lost, um, and then the tournament was still going on, but there were a lot of kind of news items that were that we're working on, and and we picked this day to start recording again, Uh, and it seems like that um, is going to actually work out really nicely for us as far as analyzing what happened and and what's coming up soon.
0: Yeah, uh, so for folks out there wondering, I'm I'm sure there are many of you who are saying, why on earth did they not record a podcast for a couple of weeks? We kept on thinking we were about to do one, and then something important would happen. Oh, wait, the National Championship game's happening. Oh, wait, Grayson Allen's going to come back to Duke. And then we kept on saying, well, let's wait, let's wait till sort of the dust settles, and it feels a little bit like it hasn't we actually, completely settled, but
2: we, we actually, I was going to say go. Um, on that on that point. Um, I don't know if you guys look at our our SoundCloud page as far as the uh, like notifications that we get, but the account that we set up on our SoundCloud page um, had a—I uh, and I, I can't remember the user's name, um, but one of the one of our listeners left us a message that was like, "Hey guys, uh, where you been? <laughs> like, been waiting to hear from you." <laughs> so, uh, shout out to that guy. I know he had a a Duke related um, SoundCloud account name, but I can't remember at the moment what it was, but Hey, we're back. So, um, yeah, so here you are. N- <laughs> nice to be
0: missed. Nice to be missed. And, yes, and let's right. start, let's start with sort of the news. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday evening, um, the 10th of April. Uh, the news just came out today. And, and I think for a lot of us who are close to the program, who've been hearing, reading the tea leaves, hearing the rumblings and the such, the news was not a shock. Uh, we were just talking a moment ago about Duke's roster. Um, Derek Thornton announced today that he, um, uh, or Duke announced for him that he will be transferring. We don't know where he's going to be going. um obviously wish him uh, you know all the luck in the world. it's it's a bummer that we won't continue to have him in a Duke uniform, but whew, the roster for next year loaded, loaded, loaded to bear. you know, the moment the season ends, everyone starts looking to preseason <laughs> preseason predictions for 2017, eighteen, um, or sorry, 2016, seventeen. And uh, the predictions for 2016-17 say the Duke Blue Devils will be not near the top, not one of, but the team to beat. Um, Sam, I'm going to come to you first. Uh, give me your reflections on <laughs> – not reflections, sorry. Give me your predictions on the roster that will be Grayson Allen, Emil Jefferson, Luke Kennard, Matt Jones, Harry Giles, Jason Tatum, Frank Jackson, Chase Jeter, and possibly – Marcus Bolden um, and and Javi, uh, having Delarier and Jack White, and uh, it's a ridiculous ridiculous roster.
2: Yeah, um, it's uh, my the, my first impression is that it's a very big roster, don't you think? Um, it is.
0: It is. We're going to have lots of size.
2: Yeah, a lot of size. And but um, I think one of the things that was missing from this uh, from from this Duke team this year, and which may continue to be a problem next year, is the is the point guard and ball handling and distribution. Um, so that, that may, be, may still be a concern, a concern for next year. I know that a lot of folks want to talk about Frank Jackson as maybe taking over that point guard spot, um, but it, it doesn't seem like he's going he's gonna to do it in the way that people maybe thought Derek Thornton should, should have or could have this past season. Um, but that being said, um, they obviously have lead guards in Jackson and, and Grayson Allen who are able to distribute a little bit and guys who can score from a lot of places on the court, including if he's healthy. Um, Harry Giles, who's going to be who's going to be kind of a monster for Duke. Um, it seems like in the last few weeks, especially given his performance in the McDonald's game, that that people are a lot higher on Frank Jackson. that um, that I guess his stock has been climbing uh, sort of steadily throughout the season, and that's really great to see. Um, seeing that Thornton is going to transfer, um, you would think that 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 means that Frank Jackson gets a lot more of the minutes, and I think that. Um, you know depending on on how those those practices and, and scrimmages had played out this coming fall, um, you could have envisioned a a season where Derek Thornton continues to play something like 25 to 30 minutes a game uh, and Frank Jackson doesn't really get into the rotation because he might have been like that ninth guy or that eighth guy. Now you know he he could be he might be a starter um, but he's he's almost certainly going to play a lot of minutes and and so I'm excited to see that uh, and, and obviously you know, I touched on Giles who's gonna be who's gonna be phenomenal again if he's healthy. Um and then Jason Tatum who who has also performed well here um in the in the late season in like the showcase season, I guess if you will, for the high school seniors. Um so I'm I'm very excited to to, to see what's gonna happen. And then of course, um, you know, we got I think the the best piece of news that Duke got recently is that Grayson Allen is coming back to school and You know, I think there was a little bit of speculation about is his draft stock going to fall? Is it falling? Uh, You know, maybe he's a second rounder now, which means he doesn't get guaranteed money, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So I I think it's I think you could really argue either way for whether or not he should come back. I think that a lot of fans, though, myself included, were kind of saying, you know, all right, he had an incredible season. He 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 outworked and and outproduced anything that we could have reasonably expected for him. Um, and for that, you would think that he might be rewarded with a nice draft spot. Um, so if he if he comes back, great. He's going to be an amazing player for us next year. And if he doesn't, then farewell. He he, you know, was was a decisive factor in a national championship game. But he's back. Uh, so I, I think that Grayson Allen's going to be the leader of this team. Um, well, and, you know, Jefferson might be there. Oh, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, let me jump in because you were talking about point guard. I'm of the belief that Grace Allen came back to play point guard. Um, I think yeah, and, that you know, given his size, really yeah. yeah, given given his size, uh, his NBA position is probably as a point guard. And and so you know, how better to show the NBA if if his stock was you know mid twenties, late twenties in terms of draft position? How better to move that stock up? He's not going to move that stock up by scoring more or shooting more. Um, because he's, uh, first of all, he's not going to have as many opportunities to shoot next year because there's so many more weapons on the team. But, um, I mean, he already showed he can score as well as anyone in the entire college game. Uh, he's going to move that stock up by showing that he can be a distributor, that he can get even more assists, that he can handle ball handling duties in the at the NBA level. Um, and I think that's what he's come back specifically to do. I agree with you that the, the loss of Derek Thornton elevates Frank Jackson a little bit. And by the way, I sort of think Derek Thornton may have left because Frank Jackson scared him off a bit. I, I mean, the the class of 2016, these guys that are about to join Duke, this is this is considered one of the best classes of high school basketball that we've seen in in many, many years. And and Duke is just loaded with these guys. I think any prediction that Frank Jackson, you, you were saying that, oh, you may only play 10 or 15 minutes a game. Frank Jackson is going to play 20 plus minutes a game. Frank Jackson is going to be an incredible player for Duke. Um uh, but I think that Grace Allen is going to get most of the minutes at the so-called point guard. I mean, look in Duke. At Duke, there aren't really positions. We saw last year there were a number of guys. Even when Derek Thornton was on the on the floor, there were times that that Allen or Jones brought the ball up and, and sort of started the play. Heck, Brandon Ingram did it sometimes. Hey, Donald, we've been leaving you out for a little bit. Uh, give me a little bit on uh, on what you see coming forward for
1: Duke next year. So the first thing uh, I. You kind of notice when you take a look at you know what we're losing next year. we're obviously graduating Marshall Plumley. Uh, we lose Brandon Ingram to the draft and now uh, with Thornton uh, with the uh, with the transfer. There's also uh, this thing going around on whether or not Sean Obie's knees are are capable to help him uh, perform next year. Well, I guess we'll, that's something that we'll kind of look at over the next couple of weeks and see what news actually comes out of that. But rumors have been flying either way about whether or not he would be able to continue the play. Uh, but there's also the fact that I think this might be the first time in a long time that a team loses a guy who is a surefire first or second pick in the NBA draft and gets better because our, our, our incoming class is just that good. Uh, and with, if you add, hopefully... Uh, Marcus Bolden, who you know, you you would think with Thornton transferring, while that is uh, something that we did not wish to see, um, that does open up a scholarship spot for uh, Marcus Bolden, and maybe, and and, and by ahead. the way,
0: I'll, I'll I'll get back to you in half a second. It's almost if you think about you know, oh, Duke 2016-17 versus Duke 2015-16. Um, there's there's one other recruit, so to speak, or new player that we add, Emil Jefferson. He's back. Yeah. And, and, and frankly, I mean, as good as Harry Giles and some of the other big men are going to be in college basketball, you know, freshmen, big men in college basketball this year, Emil Jefferson is going to be an immediate, huge impact on this team. He's going to,
2: from day one, he's going to be probably the best rebounder in the ACC. Mm-hmm. And he, and he was averaging a double double when he got hurt last year. Right. right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. that you're, that, you're right. And, and people are going to underrate that. I think, um, not just, you know, we, we talked, I think some time ago, especially, I think this was in regards to the Jefferson situation that if Jefferson were to have graduated and if Grayson Allen had left for the NBA, Duke was going to be left with just Matt Jones as an upperclassman mm-hmm. uh, in this class. You know, if you're just talking about juniors and seniors, guys who could be, um, who could be captains next year, Jefferson and Jones get to return as captains. And if Kay wants to make, uh Grayson Allen a captain, he certainly can. I don't think anyone would argue with it. But Grayson Allen doesn't have to be a captain on this team because because Duke has two, you know, reliable, steady guys, you know, I think there's been a lot of shade thrown at <laughs> thrown at Matt Jones and how much he contributed at the end of the season, which may or may not have been due to injuries, et cetera, et cetera. But um two really steady senior leaders who have been through a lot in the ACC and, and in the NCAA tournament to be, um, you know, to be the, to be the vocal leaders for this team. Um that Grayson Allen doesn't need to shoulder any of that load is just another luxury for this, for this Duke team next year.
1: Yeah. And that was going to lead to my point that, you know, next year, you know, we talk about the talent level that we're going to have in this team, but we're going to be very balanced. Uh, you know, this year, the depth uh, that we didn't have when, when Jefferson went down really hurt us, especially uh, in the se- during the season, when our, you know, main guys got really tired Next year we won't have that issue. There's gonna be guy and there's gonna be competition at every single position, not just for starting time, but for also just for minutes. I mean, everybody is going to get better because there's somebody that can challenge them for playing time in the basketball court. And I think that is what you want from a team, especially a team as balanced as we will be next year, with the leadership aspect, with the defensive aspect, and, and just with the, you know, a scoring talent that we're gonna have. I think that is going to be very, very key. Uh, for us to do well next year and, and meet the expectation, the high expectations that are being placed on next year's team. One thing I will note about Marcus Bolden, um, you know, we, we talk about his recruiting a little bit. He, he went to the same high school as Matt Jones. He's from the same town. So maybe that is going to be something that helps us solidify uh, that uh, commitment uh, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, only time will tell. But I, I think it's good. That you know, Matt Jones is is going to you know for all his flaws that he had late in the season, possibly due to injuries. Uh, you know, I, I think that his leadership is going to be you know very very welcome on this team. Emil Jefferson being back, it wasn't that he had a double double every game. It was the fact that he had a dominating double double in the games that he played uh, early in the season, uh, even against
0: and the defense know, and the defense and the oh.
1: defense. He's the, he's the quarterback of this team. He's, he's the guy that's calling out the – I mean, he, there was times during uh, uh, the Indiana game that he was calling out the offensive sets before Indiana could even run them. So that is, like, that is smart quarterbacking. It's not just where he's you – know, not just directing where the defense should go and how it should, be, how it should be set up, but when you know what they're going to run – and are able to counteract that with a defense like that is incredible. That's some, you know, if you're talking about football, that's some Peyton Manning type, you know, quarterbacking. So it that is going kind of to stuff.
2: be. Do you mean what's it's the that? kind of stuff that that UNC should have been doing on the last play against Villanova? Exactly. So <laughs> no, wait, 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 wait. We're <laughs> not talking we're
1: not talking I just field.
2: wanted to. I, I... I, I, just, I just wanted to throw that in there. You you really set me up for it.
1: Yeah, but like this is – that is going to be – there's there's a lot of things that are going to be talked about next year, but these little things are going to be what's going to help us meet these expectations that are so widely placed. And, you know, you know we'll see if they're going to be uh, warranted. Now it sounds like it looks like on paper it is, but we actually got to play the games next year, and we're going to have a – you know, looking at some of the schedule uh, nuggets that have come out, we're going to have some pretty tough games next year. So this balance is going to be probably the most important thing that this team, this 2016, 17 team has. And that is. Uh,
0: Donald, I, I, I'm so glad you brought it up. And I think you are a hundred percent correct. I think one thing, you know, Duke hasn't had a lot of depth for the past several years. I think, you know, a lot of it was a function of the one and done and, and, and guys leaving very, very quickly and early and, and, you know, a lot of different things, but, um, the practices Duke practices next year are going to be unbelievably intense. And, and Hey, I'm the king of hyperbole. I, I love to make bold statements that sound absurd. Ready for my absurd statement. Uh-oh. So if you assume that the starters for Duke next year, and I think I'm pretty sure these are gonna be the starters, at least the beginning of the season will be Grace now and Alan, Emile Jefferson, um, Matt Jones, Harry Giles, and Jason Tatum, um, So those are the starters. If those are the starters, I will posit, I will put out there that I think Frank Jackson, Luke Kennard, Chase Jeter, Marcus Bolden, who I think we're going to get, and Javin Delorier or Jack White or one of those other guys, that that's a top 25 team, that our bench is a top 25 team. That's how good –
1: I read somewhere on Twitter the other day um, that – you basically they threw out that lineup that you just mentioned. They said the bench would probably be third or fourth in the ACC this year or next yeah, year. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. So, and 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 yes, it's fun to laugh about that and think about how great that is and such. But but the the real point of that is, oh my God, the practices. The practices are going to be unbelievably intense. It's going to be incredibly competitive. No one is going to be able to get away with coasting for even one second. And as a result, this team is going to get better and better and better as the season moves on, as they work against each other more and more. There are, I, I truly think that there will be more comp- competition in practices than Duke will face in third, half of their games at a minimum. At a minimum, and maybe more like two thirds or three quarters of their games. That's and how that good I think. That's how good I think our bench will be next year. That's how good Duke will be next year.
1: Also, I'm can kidding. I can I just uh, make a ahead. make a quick note? Uh, I just want to send uh, a a request out to anyone who listens that's in the Iron Duke's office or or works directly with the basketball team. You know, a lot of people ask you guys for tickets to basketball games, and next year will be no exception. I would like to ask that you invite the three of us down for practice. That's it. Just one practice. I think that's going to be all we need to see. And it's probably going to be the best basketball that that you may see uh, outside of actual games. So I'll just put that out there. If if you see fit to invite us down for a practice, we would happily take you up on that. Go ahead. Sam. I,
2: yeah. I, I don't know if my, if my optimism is as unbridled as your, as, as the two of you's is, um, but, but, but obviously I'm still looking forward to it and think that this team could be very good. Um, I uh you know, I I remember what Carolina Dude, fans, very, wait, wait, very they, good. Oh, very good. <laughs> Listen, I remember I remember how Carolina <laughs> fans were last summer, and of course they made it very, very close to winning the national championship, but they didn't. Uh and, and I and and I will also caveat that with I think that this Duke team has more talent um than that UNC team did this. It this ain't past even season. close. It ain't um, even close. But but I just oh man, it feels so weird to be <laughs> to, to to be like so out there like that. So um, uh, I will I will be I will be optimistic, um, but I will also still predict, as I usually do, that Duke will, like, lose a game or two maybe in the non-conference and they'll struggle a little bit in the ACC and they'll lose a stupid game to, like, Clemson or Wake Forest or something like that in January and everyone's going to freak out. Um, so I'm just telling you those things are going to happen because they happen every year uh, unless it's, like, 1999. So just uh, – and, everybody... and, and, and I've go been, ahead, on, the good good I've good been good. on the
0: record. I've said to a couple people that I think – Next year's team will remind us a lot of 1999. They're going to be games that will be over by halftime.
1: Hey, can Duke we, will
0: have 25-30 points. I'm getting a 40-0 tattoo. I'm getting. All
2: right, <laughs> no. We'll yeah. do do that yet. But <laughs> you know, I, I, I wanted to address something before we before we moved on. Um, just because because you brought up Derek Thornton, I don't know if we were gonna we were gonna talk about him separately. Um, no, but I, I but go seen, ahead, please. There was a lot of uh, there was a lot of back and forth on Twitter and, and, and across the uh, the the depths of. Of college basketball, internet uh, about why Derek Thornton was transferring and sort of what the situation was, and obviously there was the standard like um, those who hate Duke will will say one thing about how Derek Thornton wasn't treated well and was kicked out um, to make room for Marcus Bolden, and there there's, there's the Duke side that's like, oh well, Derek Thornton didn't want to didn't want to live up to the to the standards of the program and didn't mesh with yada yada yada. The one thing, and and I'll bring it back because I, I was just mentioning it from the from the haters side, um, there was a point that you know like I just said that that Thornton was like getting pushed out so that, you know, he was, he was brought to Duke early and they said, you're going to have the ball from day one. And now they're, now they're kicking him out so they can make room for a center. Um, You know, like hopefully a center because there's not even a guarantee that Bolden is going to commit. That's insane. If Duke was going to, if I I don't think that, I don't think Duke would do this and I really don't know. I don't know coach K personally or anything, Um, but I think that if Duke was going to kick a guy off the team um, to make room for another center, um, you figure it wouldn't be Derek Thornton, right? Like there's other dudes on the bench who are taking scholarships um, who didn't who didn't play like 25 minutes a game last year. So um, I think that that line of reasoning is silly. The rest of it is all speculation, but but please, not that any like Kentucky fans or UNC fans or anybody listens to us, um, but please don't tell me that, that Duke kicked Derek Thornton out or that Coach K like forced him out so that he could recruit Marcus Bolton. That's insane. Um, and just like with every with every story, be it Rashid Suleiman last year or, like, guys in the past, like Elliot Williams, I know that when he left, there was, like, well, here's the official story, but here's kind of the real story, um, the stuff with Taylor King, like, all these guys who transfer away, um, we're never going to hear the real story from the player, and we're never going to re- hear the real story from Duke. We're going to, you know, it'll, like, slowly come out over time about what the what the real truth was, um, but it's silly to speculate on it now, and and it's also silly to, to make up stuff that doesn't make any sense. So, um, I guess just, in, you know, not that this will be a not that this call will will resonate with with crazy college basketball people of the ilk that I think would listen here, but just relax, get over it. Um, these things happen, and it happens to every program. Guys leave um, for one reason or another, it, and and especially in you know in this current era of college basketball, I think like there are more there are more transfers annually than there are teams. So everybody deals with transfers. Everybody deals with them for their own reasons, uh, and it happens to good teams as much as it does to you know like middling and bad teams. So um, just relax, it's fine. Uh, Derek Thornton, I think, will end up being happy wherever he ends up going because, let's be real, you know, he had lapses this year, but he's a very talented player. Um, there may still be a a very bright NBA future uh, ahead for him. We we don't really know, and we'll see how he reacts to you know whatever school he's going to next season. So everybody, chill on the Derek Thornton thing.
0: Uh, I'm glad you brought it up, um, and and I agree. With, I think we want to move on to. Uh, Carolina and the national championship game in just a moment. but um, I'm glad you said that because I, I want to add about Derek Thornton that uh, this is a kid that that Duke fans should should support and 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 we do. I haven't seen Duke fans ripping him. Maybe I'm missing it, but I haven't seen it any place. Um, he can't he he made great sacrifices, um, worked extra hard to ensure that he could come to Duke early because we desperately needed him. and even if he didn't live up to, some fans' expectations, even if he didn't live up to his own expectations this season in terms of his scoring production and and minutes played, he was an incredibly incredibly important player for Duke. There were enough. I mean, look, we had as thin a bench as possible this year. It, for most games, he was it. Um, and there's you know certainly plenty of games that he started, but he made sacrifices. Um, Uh, both in high school to get to duke and then once he made it to duke uh he was as far as i could see was a good teammate i did not see the kid sulking or being difficult we didn't hear anything negative about him coming out of the program um i wish him all the luck uh and really hope he's very very successful wherever he ends up going um duke has has released him and has said you know we're not going to block you from going i think he can't go to another acc school that's sort of a standard thing but um uh, I'm sure Duke is wishing him well wherever he goes. It, it's a pity because I, I would have loved like, to have seen
2: I was going to say uh, I go think ahead. It, it sounded like it sounded like he he wanted to transfer back to the West Coast but nothing had been official yet. Right, that's yeah. what I, that's what it sounds like is going to happen. Right,
0: right. I, I wasn't going to go there because we, we we just don't know. Um, yeah. but but uh, you know, a, a good kid and and I agree with you Sam. The, the notion that Duke forced him out, pushed him out is is silly. It's crazy. It's stupid. Uh, because I, I look at our roster in in years to come yes next year we're stacked we're loaded um it looks like it's going to be an amazing season but duke's going to lose tremendous tremendous amount of talent off of that team and if derek if you're telling me that derek thornton um could have been there in two years as the starting point guard uh for the 2017 2018 duke blue devils i would be thrilled right now i'm sure coach k would be thrilled right now the idea that we pushed him out is crazy it's it's ludicrous. I think he would have been an, an important featured player for Duke. Um, if not as much in his sophomore years, he would like in his junior and senior years. He would have been very, very important for us. But um, but he's gone now. So, hey, uh, so guys, we're going to move on now. Uh, I asked you all before we got on, how do you say that word? Is it schadenfreude? Uh, the Google
2: pronunciation is schadenfreude.
0: Schadenfreude. So we are still enjoying the schadenfreude from Carolina's gut punch of a loss i mean i'm not sure sure they could have been the first number one seed to lose to a 16 that would have hurt that would have stung Um, but i'm i I think aside from that losing in the national title on a last second buzzer beater um was about as bad as it gets Uh, yes they got to enjoy the maximum number of games in the season but um uh, you know what chris jenkins did to them was just epic and and <laughs> you pointed it out earlier sam i think it was you who pointed it out earlier he did it because carolina didn't bother to guard him it's like insane that they
2: didn't guard the best shooter was, on the floor it was kind of like it was kind of like the end of the duke game the first duke game where they like didn't have a plan on offense and the duke guys were all set and the carolina guys were like well what the hell
0: <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it, it was a fabulous it was a great game one of the really great national title games of all time. I've, I've seen people sort of compare it to the the Duke-Butler game. Um, there was a Kansas-Memphis game that was great. I, I still think one of the greatest games, uh, Duke-Louisville in 1986, my freshman year, was an amazing, fabulous game. I, I still sort of think the, the greatest buzzer beater to me um, in NCAA championship game history was, uh, do you guys remember Keith Smart? Buried a baseline jumper against Syracuse to give Indiana the national title in, I think it was eighty-seven. 87.
1: It was eighty-seven, and, and yeah. it wasn't born yet. I was going to say, uh, you, you talk about uh, was it Lorenzo Charles for uh, NC State? I think that's probably another one that could that was that was being immediately compared uh, to yes. this
0: one. Yeah. So uh, and and all the congratulations to Villanova. And by the way. You know, we've been talking about how great Duke's going to be next year. There are going to be some teams to challenge them, and Villanova will be one of them. They lose uh, Archie Diacono, who's their point guard, who, you know, was the head of the beast, so to speak, and they lose Daniel Ochefu, who was their big man. Um, uh, so they lose their their best little guy and their best big guy. But in between, they got a lot of stuff coming back. Um, Villanova's going to be very, very good next year. But, I like, you know, I, I want to talk about poor, poor North Carolina who? Oh gosh! Such a pity. You delayed NCA sanctions as long as you possibly could. You held out hoping that this was going to be the year you'd you'd win that national title, and um, just didn't happen for you guys. What you got on that?
1: I started off the game. I, I didn't watch the first half. I was out with some friends. We were kind of celebrating. Uh, uh, there's a there's a place uh, that we used to go to here in DC that was closing uh, last week, and so we tried to uh, uh, get drinks and and, and kind of mill around one last time as, you know, as a, as a group, but uh, I went home and saw the second half and I'm watching the game and it seems like, I was like, all right, Villanova's pulling away, Villanova's pulling away. And then UNC starts coming back. So when Marcus page hits that ridiculous double clutch three point shot with five seconds left, which by the way was a terrible shot. I mean, was, yeah, he made it. It's
0: just a horrible no, but shot. It's, but it's,
1: it's a, it was a terrible shot, but it was that and like, I like, if that was the game, if that was for the game or if that, if you know, that's the thing that makes a champion, like that's an iconic one shining moment that like, if you think about Mario Chalmers in 2008, hitting a ridiculous three pointer that sent that game to overtime and Kansas ended up winning it all. It, that was going to happen. Like in my mind, I was like, all right, if this is going to overtime. Then UNC's win this game. And that is the one shining moment. That ridiculous double clutch, terrible three pointer that somehow went in uh, the, the literal prayer that was answered. And then Chris Jenkins Look, my man Chris Jenkins, if you ever come to Durham, North Carolina, that city has your drinks for life. You are, you are a hero for making that shot. And basically making what was going to be the one shining moment of the tournament, of probably the best tournament in, in recent memory, if not ever. He made that non-sequential, and he made that obsolete. He, basically, people aren't even talking about how ridiculous a shot Marcus Page's three-pointer was because he hit the three-pointer to win the national championship. For Villanova, and I, I don't think I've ever been happier for a team to win a national title that was not named Duke. So, or you know, since I, <laughs> since I started school, and so that, the, it was incredible. It was it was literally the 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 coup de gras on what a wild tournament that was. Everything Listen, Donald, in those five seconds was was everything that this tournament was and more, and it was great. Donald, you're free to get a Chris Jenkins Villanova jersey. I, mean, you- I, I'm, I might, I might just, I'll, I'll start with, you know, if Chris Jenkins meet me at Tobacco Road in, in Durham one, one weekend, I'll make sure the whole town knows you. Uh, but otherwise uh, that was just one of the greatest things I've seen in a long time. And it just caps off what a ridiculous tournament that this was.
2: Yeah. I was watching the game. Uh, I, I also only got to really watch the end. It was like the last six or seven minutes. Um, I was on uh, work travel this week and didn't get back to my hotel until kind of late, uh, but I, I watched the last yeah, it's like the last six or seven minutes so I was watching the Carolina comeback and the back and forth at the end um, so I saw Marcus Page's shot and I was like oh my god I, I think there were a few expletives but mostly just just shock and, and amazement not really so much upset because I think my
1: quote was are you are you bleeping
2: kidding me <laughs> yeah yeah there were a few of those um, but then um, but I was like you know what Villanova's got like four and a half seconds left they got plenty of time and if there's any coach I don't trust to like make sure the defense is set against a really good offensive team. It's Roy Williams in North Carolina. And sure enough, Villanova just walked the ball up and hit a three, Uh, you know, like, like as if, uh, as if it was no big deal. And, uh, and then I think I just laughed for like two minutes, um, like lying in bed. It it was, it was was so great. I loved it. I watched the whole, like, I watched the whole celebration and the one shining moment. I, uh, you know, for, as a Duke fan, I didn't think they they had enough Duke highlights in the one shining moment video, but it's fine. Um, (laughs) Because it did get to finish with that with that awesome three pointer by Jenkins uh, and and so cool for Villanova. I know that a lot of folks and probably us, I, I'm sure, I have dumped on Villanova and the Big East in general for their general lack of, of tournament prowess the last few years, especially since you know a few of the the um, Big East teams had left for the ACC and Villanova just silenced that. Man, they they ran the gauntlet in this tournament. They had to beat um, they had to beat Kansas, they had to beat Oklahoma, and then they had to beat North Carolina. Arguably. Uh, three of the very best, if not the three best teams in the tournament, you know, maybe other than Michigan State. I think that if people were picking, uh, I, I think the most popular picks for the final four was it was like Michigan State, North Carolina, Kansas and Oklahoma. And and Villanova beat three of those teams to to win the national championship. So you really can't take anything away from that team. Uh, they performed they performed as well as anybody could in this tournament. And they did it. They did it on a hard road. So uh, all, all the props to them and, and congratulations. Uh, it's, been, it's been a very long time since Villanova won a championship, and I know that they take their basketball seriously. So that was, that was, that was cool for them.
0: And, and by the way, two things. First of all, um, it wasn't just that they beat those teams. And, and you're right, it was unbelievably difficult road for Villanova. They had to go through a number of tough teams. All, all three of those teams you mentioned were number one at some point during the season. And in fact, between Oklahoma, Kansas, and UNC, they were number one more than any other teams in the country um uh you know in terms of the rankings uh not only did Villanova beat those teams but my god the beat down they laid on Oklahoma was epic um worst beat down in the history of the Final 4 and that was a senior laden really good Oklahoma team an Oklahoma team that had dismantled Oregon who beat us fairly easily i mean when you look at like the transitive property i think Villanova was like 130 points better than duke <laughs> Not that that ever would have happened that way, but yeah, huge props to Villanova. Just a, a, a great run for them. Very, very, very impressive. Do um, you guys got anything else on the championship game? Or I want to get to one other thing about Carolina, unless you guys get something else on it. No, go for it. Okay. So um, in the wake of Carolina's loss... There've been a number of people who say, "Okay, well now the NCAA is going to finally hit Carolina with the punishment over the the cheating scandal." It's not really cheating, I guess, fraudulent classes, whatever. The lack of education scandal. Um, and I just want to say something. Like, there's a post on the board that said, "Hey, next month the NCAA hammer is going to hit UNC," and I'm like, "Where is this coming from?" I don't think Carolina's going to. I want folks to know, I, I really don't think Carolina's going to get hit with their punishment anytime soon. I think the NCAA actually owes UNC a revised notice of infractions, Um, notice of allegations, I should say, or infractions, whatever they call it, Uh, NOA, notice of allegations, or whatever, NOI, I don't know. The NCAA owes Carolina another notice of infractions before they can hit Carolina with the actual sanctions. I really think that's the case because uh, over the past week, uh, actually it was 10 days ago, we got a, a story from Dan Kane, the great the fabulous Dan Kane friend of the podcast who's been on the show before um, I, you know I have ranted and ranted about the fact that I think Carolina has lied and and uh, you know intentionally deceived things. Um, Dan Kane came up with another story uh, regarding independent studies um, independent study classes at UNC that that to me shows that the, that UNC continues, to, to lie, to not tell the truth, to try to cloud things over. Um, Carolina has said to both the NCAA and to the accreditation agency, SACS, that there was no limit on independent study classes prior to 2006, 2007. That has been Carolina's stance. The NCAA asked about it. The, the uh, Southern Association of, uh, of Accreditation, whatever the thing, uh, asked about it. And Carolina said, no, no, no. We started having a limit on independent studies in 2006, 2007. And Dan Kane undercover, has uncovered a number of records, a number of papers, a number of documents that show that Carolina actually started limiting the number of independent study classes you could take um, at least in 2003 and probably even before then. Um, and that this was readily apparent and, and that people at UNC, everyone knew this, that you were only allowed to take no more than two independent study classes. Um, and and the, the reality is that they... Uh, the, the, uh, the academic advising department for athletics was putting athletes in two, three, sometimes even four independent study classes at the same time, because independent studies was an easy way for them to, uh, fake the classes. Um, uh, and it was also an easy way to not have other students enrolled in the same class with these, with these basketball and football players and, and the such who were, who were not really getting any kind of an education, um. And I think the NCAA has been made aware of this stuff. And I think that UNC is going to get um, another notice to explain – to asking them to explain how the heck this happened and, and perhaps alleging that, that the Carolina scandal is even – if it's even possible to be worse, I think it has now been shown to be even worse than it was. And Carolina continues to lie about this. It's just – it's disgusting. It's horrible. And, um, and they show no repentance. They show no signs of – of, uh, of of wanting to take responsibility for their actions, of wanting to change what they've done in the past. It's despicable, it's disgusting, horrible, horrible, horrible. And um, I don't think anything's going to change anytime soon. And I'm so looking forward to the NCAA destroying the program. That's what they should do. They should wreck Carolina athletics. Uh, but I think that we are still three to six months from that happening.
1: And it's going Guys. to be, I, 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 think, I, I think you're right in that it's going to be a slow period. But the NCAA is really weird with these sort of things, right? Like just last week or earlier, actually late uh, a couple of few days ago, they issued a quick ruling about whether coaches in football can have quote unquote uh, training camps or season uh, spring practices outside of their natural uh, habitat, so to speak. And right, this is good they should
0: call this, this was Jim Harbaugh. basically in response was spring break to
1: of Jim Harbaugh basically taking his guys on spring break to uh to just snowed last week. practice in Florida of of having it in Michigan, which makes total sense because in Michigan it was it just of last week and of Florida it was not a so if of want to bit well, the other thing
0: little a thing Harbaugh of doing was Harbaugh was trying to sort of showcase his program in an area of the country where, the, where he thinks there's a lot of fertile athletes that right. a you wanted to sort of say, hey, SEC, I'm coming to get your best players.
1: And the SEC complained Jason, about Jason, did it. you just, Jason,
2: did you just describe a bunch of 16 and 17-year-old boys as fertile? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I know well, where you were going. I know exactly what you were trying to say. It was just the way that you put all those words together.
1: <laughs> there is a lot of talent in these areas. A lot of fertility uh, in Florida. Fertility. But, but anyway, like the, they, they moved quickly on that. This was something that happened over the course of two weeks. But they still have to deal with UNC. They're going to have to deal with Louisville. And I feel like there's always something that comes along where the NCAA is like, ooh, shiny piece of candy. And they go and deal with that really quickly and leave this on the back burner. So I, while I was joking with people saying that UNC could become the first school ever to lose three national championships in one month in one sport, I, I don't think that's really going to happen. And I, I agree with you. And I think it's going to take quite a while. Uh, for them to uh, really get this thing down and and hammer them and but i if it's if it takes all this time and in the end they do what's just and hammer them and hammer them hard then i would be okay with it but if in the end they're just going to kind of sweep everything under the rug to the point where people forget about it then that's just that's terrible for the ncaa and i and i hope that they they they're in this dead period now where there's no i mean they're there's obviously sports going on, but their main bread and butter sports, football and basketball, aren't doing anything until football starts back up in late July, early August. So these guys need to really spend this you know, spring and summer and get everything that they need to get so that they can make these decisions. And it affects, you know, so that and I'm sure for UNC's perspective, if there's any effects, they'll want those sooner rather than later so that they can get through them and and continue on with with their with their program but uh, i i i agree with you i think it's going to be a long time before we we hear from them because the ncaa is notoriously slow at these things
0: well and by the way i don't mind if it continues to drag out there are people who are like oh my god it's taking forever i don't mind it one bit now that unc has lost their shot at their national title and by the way next year's carolina team could be good depends on who goes pro They, they could still be fairly good they're not going to be national title contenders i don't believe um uh, but uh, the longer this goes on, the more it impacts Carolina recruiting. Carolina has has struggled to get the top tier of players. They're still getting guys, you know, like top 30, top 50, top 70 kind of players, but they're not getting kids. They're not getting one and dones. They're not getting kids who are top really, you know, solid top 20 players. Um, and, and I think they will continue to struggle at that uh, as long as the the shadow, the specter of the of these sanctions are still hanging over their head. And I think that's a good – That's a good thing for Duke. Um, You know, I don't know that Harry Giles would have definitely picked Duke if Carolina had really been an option. I don't know if Brandon Ingram would have definitely picked Duke if Carolina had really been an option. And there are more and more guys each year who, removing UNC from the mix, making Carolina a school that really isn't attractive as an option because there's the specter of sanctions hanging over their head, um, I think benefits Duke, benefits Kentucky and Kansas and Arizona and a few other schools also. But... One of the schools that get benefited is Duke. And Donald, I'm glad you brought up Louisville. One of the things we haven't talked about yet, Louisville has self-imposed even more um, penalties over the the sort of the hooker scandal, the, the prostitute scandal. Um, they've they've reduced their scholarships um, in 2017-18 and 2018-19, and they're reducing the number of days their coaches can go on the road, the number of official visits they're going to take from recruits. These aren't like... Horrible, terrible, really, really difficult kind of things that they've put themselves through. But I like that Louisville is owning up to we did something wrong. We have banned ourselves from the tournament. And now we are, um, you know, taking some additional recruiting related and scholarship related penalties. Um, I think the NCAA may have even more to, to hit Louisville with. But I like that Louisville is acting the exact opposite of Carolina, who continues to duck, dodge, deny, and dodge or whatever the hell to, to steal a line from. Uh, um, uh, what's that movie? Duck, Dodge, Dodge and. Oh, what movie Dodge am I Ball. talking about? It's called Dodgeball. Dodge <laughs> Dodge I'm old and I'm I'm forgetting my movies. Um, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, Carolina is the opposite of Louisville. I, I kind of respect that Louisville is is stepping up and trying to take some of their medicine. I think the NCAA will have more medicine to give them. But uh, at least they at least they've done a little bit extra. And are we done with that? We're done with that, huh? I
1: think we are.
0: Yeah, I think so. Okay, so uh, we've been we've been talking a lot about um, re- reflecting on last season and looking ahead to this season, but uh, let's let's reflect all the way back, all the way back to the beginning of the season.
1: Oh boy, Sam! He
0: yes, <laughs> Sam. I, I am I'm smiling. You can't see me. Sam, will you recap for us at the start of the season in the preseason? We all had predictions. Yep. of so, how we thought so, Duke would do. So this
2: was a game. This was a game I came up with. Um, uh, on the fly, and and you guys, I think, accused me of cheating because I, I, I claim to have come up with it on the fly. There was some there was some uh, Im- impression that maybe I had come up with it ahead of time and put a little more thought into it than I let you guys have, uh, but that wasn't the case. Um, I, I'm not. I don't like to cheat like that or anything. But uh, so I'll I'll recap very quickly. We did a season predictions thing, and it was just based on stats. So I I asked everybody who the leading scorer was, and rebounder, and assists, and blocks, and steals, and minutes. And then we had a tiebreaker scenario involving uh, the number of uh, the number of total wins. There was also a <laughs> there was also a guessing game for which category did nobody get right. Um, so I will just quickly recap what happened. Um, just I, I won't give everybody's predictions for everything. But so the leading scorer for this year was Grayson Allen. Um, both Jason and I picked that one right. The leading rebounder this year it kind of depends on how you define it. So Marshall Plumley didn't really. Uh, so Marshall Plumley was the leading rebounder for those who. Played almost all the games this season, so it, I, I choose to discount Emil Jefferson, um, which means that none of us got that one right. Because no, uh, no, but, I
0: had Jefferson.
2: No, I know. <laughs> I'm saying I, I know. Both <laughs> you and I had Jefferson. I'm not going to count it because Jefferson only played nine games. so I want to
0: lodge a uh, formal protest. <laughs> all right. Well, you're being
2: shot down by the commissioner of this <laughs> league. So uh, I just, I just, Roger, get the do, go to your corner. So uh, Donald, Donald picked Chase Jeter. So shame on you. Um, assist, I tried. Jason Jason got Jason got uh, Grayson Allen for assists. Jason and Donald both picked uh, Marshall Plumlee in the blocks category. Um, uh, I was the only one that got steals right uh, which was, which was Grayson Allen. I know that at one point we were going over these like mid season, Jason had all of them, right? Um, so I guess Allen pulled ahead. And then in the minutes category, Jason also won with Grayson Allen. So Jason uh, ran away with this competition. So congratulations to him. He gets the, the inaugural prize, uh, which I haven't, I haven't decided what it is yet. So if anybody, if anybody out there has a suggestion for the prize, um, Jason won. Um, uh, although I did get the tiebreaker right, sadly, um, cause I picked the lowest number of wins, Uh, um so i know you should be
0: ashamed of yourself for winning yeah (laughs)
2: sorry uh it you know what's incredible is that that duke like went to the sweet 16 this year um and and had like two all-american level players and 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 everyone was like all right they made the sweet 16 fine um it's, it's it was a very strange year for duke fans but anyway um thank you guys for playing and um and don't worry jason even though you uh, brought it up to us ahead of when we were planning this episode. Uh, I was already, I was already prepared to to review the season predictions, knowing uh, at least in the back of my mind that that you had probably won. So, uh, congratulations to that,
1: Donald. Uh, you really need to try harder next year, man. Well, you know what? Next year's roster. This actually will be a very interesting thing this to watch. It's going to yeah. be a, it <laughs> this game's gonna be easy. a lot more no, uh, I don't think Jason's getting four next year. I think he might win <laughs> with one or two. So, <laughs> yeah.
2: Well. Yeah, you're you're gonna, want it to be.
0: It will not be easy next year. And by the way, I I, I want to point out. Um, I think there should be a prize. Um, maybe it's a booby prize for the worst prediction. And I think you sort of mentioned it. Donald picked Chase Jeter to lead the team in rebounds. That. Goes now because a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the other predictions where we got them wrong, like you know, like Donald picked Ingram to lead the team in points, and and yes, Grayson Allen did, but I mean, that's, that's a, cl- a totally you know, reasonable. It was it be. was close, yes. It was and not it was, a bad choice. It
1: was steals. Know? It was steals only a difference of seven, so uh, between Allen and Ingram. So it was. We, both, it was close we, we all
2: knew. We all knew that that both uh, <laughs> Brandon Ingram and Grayson Allen would get steals. Um,
0: yes, yes. Um, uh, but but Donald special props chase jeter to lead the team in rebounds in retrospect boy that's a good man that's i have faith in my one. man
2: so. <laughs> so so listen everybody out there um this will be the forum participation this week i know we haven't kept up with doing forum participation but you have to come up with a prize for jason um for winning for winning the challenge and we have to come up with a punishment for donald um for making the worst <laughs> prediction uh
1: and I,
2: and I get nothing i'm just going to continue being the commissioner of this commissioner the commissioner, one the
1: commissioner duck, um, ducks and dodges again.
2: i might Maybe I'll change my. Uh, maybe I'll change my like forum header name. on that. Uh,
1: to predictions commissioner commissioner. Commissioner, of
2: the, commissioner of the stats game. <laughs> yeah, I like that
1: but, right, I better than dev that. eleven stats, stats Commission.
2: Yeah, 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 there you go. Okay, um, so if you read the well, no, 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 my like header underneath like it says dev eleven, but then underneath it has like we can edit our titles because we're moderators.
0: Um, oh right. You can be stats
2: commissioner, yes. Yeah, exactly. I'll I'll be stats commissioner. Okay. Um, And the only people who will get it will be the people who listen to the podcast. So listen to the podcast, and you will get all the inside jokes.
0: Yeah, Um, all all twelve of them. I think there are twelve people who each download it like thirty times.
2: And then, (laughs) and then, uh, and and the other great thing is (laughs) titles don't show up on the um, on the mobile version of the forum. Um, And I don't know about you guys, I'd say that like ninety eight percent of my forum reading is on the mobile version, so I don't even ever see those titles. Yeah. so anyway, uh, <laughs> let's move on to more important things.
0: Jason, what's next? <laughs> uh, so what is next is player of the year. You know, usually at this time, we do player of the week. Um, it, it, the, the season is over, there, uh, so we will reflect on the entire year. And, and folks, I'm going to let you in on a little hint. We planned this out in advance. Um, uh, we sort of talked about it, and we decided that we were each going to take a different guy, because we think there are three guys who really, really, really deserve to be in the running for player of the year. Um, Sam, I will let you start, give us your player of the year pick.
2: So, um, like you said, there were three guys you could pick from, and I luckily- I mean, you
0: could have you could have taken someone else, but there are really only three contenders.
2: Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, I I picked the, the underrated version. So I, I went with the like most improved, well, you might, actually it's debatable who's most improved, but um, I guess we'll get to that. But I went with kind of the, the underrated guy. Um, the one who of the three, the one who didn't make any All-American teams, um, will get an NBA look, but is certainly not projected in any mock drafts um, to to make a huge impact at, at least right away. And that's Marshall Plumley, uh, the the fifth-year senior. I know that um, you know we we talk. I think there's a lot of talk on on our forum, and and maybe there is in other places about the usefulness of having basketball players redshirt because. You know, by the time, you know, they don't have to be especially wide once they get to college. So in football, the guys have to get bigger and stronger, uh, especially like linemen, linebackers, guys like that, tight ends. Um, they need that time to like bulk up. Basketball players don't really need that, right? They grow to however tall they're gonna be by the time they're like 17 or 18, and then and then they go out and play. Um, so how useful is it often for a basketball player to to take a red shirt and take all five years, especially if he's if he's like a four or five-star recruit. In the case of Marshall Plumley, that I feel like that. That is, like, all you need to see about the usefulness of having a fifth year. So um, I'll start with his season before. Marshall averaged um, – let's see, he averaged 9.6 minutes a game. This this is the previous year. This is not this year. Uh, 9.6 minutes a game, 2.3 points, 2.3 rebounds, uh, about half of a block, and one and a half fouls per game. Um, so he's averaging one and a half fouls in, like, 10 minutes a game. It's not very good. Um, this year, 30 minutes a game. It went up to 33 minutes a game in, in in ACC and postseason play, so kind of leaving out the Jefferson and games against bad opponents, more or less. Um, he went from 9.6 minutes a game up to 30 minutes a game. He went from 2.3 minutes a game up to 8.2. He went from 2.3 rebounds up to 8.6. He went from 0.6 blocks up to a block and a half. Um, and his foul rate only raised from 1.6 fouls a game to 2.7 fouls a game, so the increase there was, was pretty minimal given how he was playing three times as many minutes a game and was tasked with with a much harder defensive assignment especially once Emil Jefferson was out um, no one predicted this no one knew that Marshall Plumley was going to be playing 30 plus minutes a game and was going to be giving it to us and 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 we were just giving Donald you know the, some grief about the fact that he picked Chase Jeter to lead the team in rebounds it's not like any of us picked Marshall Plumley that's the only category where we didn't pick the right answer and granted you know maybe Emil Jefferson would have taken it if he played the whole season but it remains the fact that Marshall Plumlee led the team in rebounds for guys who played the whole season. Um, he was the most effective rebounder on the team. And, and in many ways was, was the force that, that kept Duke spaced appropriately on both, both ends of the court. Um, you know, he, he doesn't like make a lot of fantastic offensive moves, but he was able to clean up the, the boards um, pretty effectively given that oftentimes he was the only guy down there um, getting rebounds, especially late in the season. He only fouled out uh, three times. Uh, once once conference play started, so you know I, there were a lot of concerns of like, oh, what are we going to do if you know Marshall Plumley is probably going to foul out a lot. He's not. He doesn't. He doesn't contain the fouls very well. He did such a good job of that in in the games that really mattered. Um, So so for me, my player of the year is Marshall Plumley. The the effect that he had on this team, I think, is something no one could have predicted, and uh, he deserves a ton of credit for this. And I'm sure that he will be uh, rewarded in kind at at the. Um, uh, the like basketball team dinner, which I would imagine is coming up very soon. I don't know, um, but so so shout out to Marshall Plumley. He is my player of the year. And if you had asked me at the beginning of this season to like, if we had played the the predictions game and said like rank your most likely players of the year for Duke, I would have probably had Marshall Plumley like sixth. Um, but I, I'm I'm taking him. I think that he deserves it. And uh, and man, that guy that guy gave everything to the program this year. And he was such a great leader and such a great teammate and such a great player um, that no one really expected. There
0: you go. I love it. A fine, fine, fine choice. Um, and, and and like you said, sort of the uh, the underdog, the the less uh, least obvious of the choices for player of the year. Donald, your turn. And I think you took the most obvious. Nothing wrong with that, man. Because I would have taken him if you hadn't. But give us your player of the
1: year. Yeah. So I I, I went with Grayson Allen. Uh, of course, I I echo uh, everything that Sam said about uh, about. Uh, Marshall Plumley, I think he was fantastic and really was, you know, even if he wasn't my MVP, he was definitely the unsung hero of the year uh, to me because without him, we would have been way down the gutter in a lot of these games because of his Plumley runs that he basically did during the season. So props to him for that. I'm going with Grayson Allen. And and again, last year he was, you know, a freshman that, you know, had flashes of brilliance. Of course, we know about what he did in the final four in the, uh, in the national championship game, but he averaged over the course of the season, he only averaged 4.4 points a game this year. He averaged 21.6 points a game. And that was the biggest increase uh, from one year to the next in points per game in ACC history. So he clearly was, uh, I I don't, I don't care what the ACC uh, sports writers were saying. He was definitely the most improved player of the year, Um, but he increased at his, his output on all ends of the floor. Uh, especially offensive, and he just was the man all year. He took everyone's best shot on a nightly basis, and he still came out and played like a superstar, which is what we needed this year. Uh, and he became one of the best players in college basketball. I mean, we thought he when he came in, he was, uh, I don't want to say, the, the less heralded, the least heralded of the four that came in last year. But he was the man. Uh, even last year at the national championship game, we don't win that game without him. And this year there was plenty of games where – if Grayson Allen doesn't score 20, 30 points, uh, we were not in that ballgame. So and, and I think that is why I, I selected him to be uh, my MVP or the player of the year. Um, but now he's ready to be the season veteran, which is a great thing. You know, there was talk about him leaving, um, whether he would uh, go to the NBA drafts. I'm glad he's staying because we get 21.6 points per game back. And you know just how, with how hard he works um, on the court, off the court uh, to get better. I mean, you can expect that maybe to go up next year. Even with the talent, that it, it's always possible with this guy. Everything is possible uh, with Grayson Allen on the fourth. So he's ready to be the seasoned veteran star, and I'm ready to see him uh, lead, uh, help lead this team, 2016-17 uh, team, uh, to some great things. So props to you, Grayson Allen, on a great year. Uh, I'm glad you're, you're sticking around. I'm glad a number three jersey uh, will be running on the court again next year, uh, and he's my player of the year.
2: And, and I just wanted to add it before before Jason gets to to his, and I think we all know who he's going to take. But just to add on to Grayson Allen, I mentioned when talking about Marshall Plumley that um, you know you could say that he's the most improved player this year. But dude, you could say the same thing about Grayson Allen. Um, he increased his his minutes and his points and his rebounds and his assists at like greater rates than than Plumlee did um, from from the previous season. It's astounding how much more of a load he took on this year and just shouldered it like a. Like, he, like he'd been doing it his whole life. It was amazing. And, you know, you mentioned Donald, that recruiting class. Um, Grayson Allen going into next year, I, th- I think he's going to be, um, if not the front runner, one of the front frontrunners um, for All-American status, for National Player of the Year awards. Uh, Jolly Okafor, if you guys remember a little bit last year, kind of faded down the stretch at one when Frank Kaminsky uh, sort of took over the National Player of the Year race. And Kaminsky basically ran away with all those awards. And I don't think that Okafor won any of them. Um, Grayson Allen might end up being the only guy out of that out of that recruiting class um, to win a national player of the year award, and he very well could next year. I mean, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Um, he will be the
0: preseason player. He'll be the preseason player of the year.
2: I agree. I mean, you know, uh, for the, the highest what like, that year,
0: worth earned. next to nothing. But right, uh, yeah, no, you're you're right. Um, he improved his scoring by 17 points a game. That's like that's crazy. That's, that's crazy. just <laughs>
2: just
1: absurd.
2: Yeah. It's absurd. Like, it doesn't his from his sophomore year to junior year. Like nobody does that.
1: But the only thing, the only thing, the only stat that he did not improve on from last year to this year was free throw percentage. He went down 0.8%. And that is, you know, I, I will give him the benefit of the doubt there because I believe he took maybe 10 more free throws a game than he did last year. So <laughs> I, that's, that. I mean, that 0.8% still translates to nine more points uh, that he was getting uh, on a regular basis than he was uh, last year uh, from the from the charity stripe. So I, I am mad at him on that.
2: Oh, that was some fancy math you just did. Was that? That was fancy math. I think that you just did that fancy was, that math. Was really good.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, it was. It was completely made up math, and it probably uh, statistically does not mean anything. But math, all the same. All right. Cool. Jason, player of the year.
0: So uh, my player of the year um, is a guy who. Uh, who had all the accolades coming into college, and and really, uh, you know, f- when folks reflect on Brandon Ingram, they w- I don't think people will remember what the first month of the season was like for him. Um, guys, Brandon Ingram was not all that good when he first suited up for Duke. Um, he had a stretch in in mid November, um, Kentucky, Virginia Commonwealth, and Georgetown. Remember those games? Um, Duke wasn't looking all that great at that point, and a lot of it was because Brandon Ingram. Um, really, really was struggling. Um, again, in those three games, which were the three sort of first, even moderately difficult games on Duke's schedule, um, Brandon Ingram uh, shot five of 20 from the field, 25%. He didn't hit a single three-pointer in those three games. And he really looked like a guy who was going to struggle with the physicality of the college game. That um, that maybe the 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 talk that he was going to be this really good outside shooter with, um, you know, a strong ball handling going to play out. Um, uh, he had he had turnovers in those games. Uh, he only scored you know single digits. He did not get to double digits in any of those games. And and as of November, it looked like Brandon Ingram was not going to live up to the hype that he was one of the top players in the class. Um, and oh. The moment we hit December, December 2nd against Indiana, Brandon Ingram scores 24 points on 10 of 15 shooting, and he never looked back from that moment forward. From that moment to the rest of the season, he scored in double digits in every game except one, the game against Louisville that we lost in late February. He only scored eight points in that game. You could book him. Um, For, uh, you know, somewhere between 16 and 25 points and somewhere between like eight and 12 rebounds. Uh, Brandon Ingram was an absolute force of nature. I think he had more plays where you sort of just dropped your jaw on the floor and went, how did he do that? Than anyone else on the Duke team, he was playing, uh, you know, heavy, heavy minutes, routinely playing 39 or 40 minutes virtually every single game of the season. Once we got to January or so, because uh, we needed that much of him. Once we lost Emil Jefferson, um, he was forced to play out of position because Emil Jefferson had been, you know, the power forward, the big man for Duke, and and suddenly we we needed Brandon Ingram to step into that role, and he handled it beautifully. Often, you know, playing against guys who were uh, at least 50 pounds heavier than him, if not more than that. Um, I thought he had an amazing, amazing freshman season. You know, you can argue, you can go back through Duke history. I mean, Brandon Ingram had probably one of the top two or three seasons of any freshman in Duke history. Um, I really firmly, firmly believe that and, and, and was just great for us in the NCAA tournament. He scored 20 points in, in all three of our games in the NCAA tournament. Um, Really, a, a fabulous player, and played so well, shouldered so much of a burden for Duke, and showed how capable he was as a player that most people think he will be the number one pick in the NBA draft. He deserves that. He's going to be the next great Dukey in the NBA. I think uh, you know NBA GMs are just salivating, drooling at the prospect of having this guy um, on their roster because he he seems like he can do so many special, amazing things. And we're going to have some, some fabulous, fabulous memories of him at Duke. Uh, I thought he had, 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 just a wonderful, wonderful season. Uh, and, 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 you know, you guys said it as well, the, the three guys, these three players to me, Grayson Allen, Brandon Ingram and Marshall Plumlee um, were the heart of what Duke basketball was this year. Uh, all three of them played great all season long. And I'm glad that, that we could easily decide that these three were our, our sort of co players of the year, so to speak.
2: Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Um, so congratulations to all three of them. And to everybody else, step your game up next year.
0: Yeah, exactly. It, it is. It's not going to be. I hope it's not easy to pick uh, <sighs> only three next year. I, I hope we have five guys, <laughs> at least, if not more than five. That would be a lot of fun. Um, hey, gentlemen, it's time for parting shots. We've been going on for a while now. Um, Sam, I'll come to you first. You got a you got a final parting shot as we sort of uh, put close the book on and wrap up the 2015-2016 season.
2: Yes, I do. Um, this weekend, it, so t- like I said tonight is the uh, is the tenth of April. Um, it's a Sunday night. Next, this coming weekend is uh, my five year reunion at Duke. Um, so I'm going to be back in Durham, uh, celebrating and enjoying all that. Uh, do you guys have any advice for me? Since you guys are old and have probably already been to at least one reunion um, of your own,
1: I have plenty of advice for you. Oh wow. Uh, I, I, I had my, t- I guess this would be my 12th uh, year out of college. So I had my 10th year anniversary or 10 year reunion uh, two years ago, uh, back in 2014. Uh, it, it is, our class is a little different because uh, as a lot of you guys know, who have been to Durham in the last couple of years, downtown Durham is fantastic. And there's a lot of great things that were there. Dur- downtown Durham was not a place you went to. Uh, very often uh, when I was in school because there wasn't anything there so it's really cool to see the renaissance uh, and, and the kind of the uh, the shaping of, of Durham's kind of skyline and, and just the, the, the nightlife uh, that wasn't there and a lot of my favorite places in Durham now were not there when I was in school so I think that's kind of a, a, a weird little testament so I would say first of all enjoy yourself like get to you know, get to reunite with all the classmates that you haven't spoken to in five years, or even the people that you haven't spoken to in five minutes., uh, you're gonna have that kind of mix. You get to do your, uh, I believe uh, this year, uh, you get to do Cameron unless they've started the uh, renovation process and and you're not allowed to. but uh, if you are in Cameron, that is also really cool because you I yeah mean, our our much. class
2: party on Saturday night is in Cameron.
1: yeah. It, it, the five year is always in Cameron. Um, I didn't know if they were going to move it because of the. Uh, the renovations that they're doing uh, on the, on the facade. But uh, I'm glad that it's going to be in Cameron because it's a really cool experience uh, to be in Cameron and have that kind of, uh, you know, reuniting with your party Uh, and, and just kind of take a look at campus. I I, I know you're one, you're one who has been back to campus uh, quite a bit since you've graduated, but, you know, kind of just take it in and kind of, you know, sit on the quad and and do some of the things that you used to do in college and, and kind of, Relive your old experiences, uh, w- you know, with a little bit more age. I'll be
2: honest. I'll be honest. Most of what I did was eat Chick Fil A
1: and drink Keystone Light. So, and you uh, can do that. Uh, right. I, I I I used to uh, get Dillo. I can't do that anymore. So can't do that more. So, I can't do anymore. Anymore. so it, like even the stuff that I did when I was in college isn't even there anymore. So uh, now that you can still do Chick Fil A, you can still get your Keystone Light and sit on a bench uh, in the quad and just kind of listen to life walk by you um, and kind of take it all in, do that uh, at least once this weekend, because it's really, really fresh.
2: All right. Jason, did you have anything to add to that?
0: No, no, I think that's an excellent, uh, excellent list of things to do when you go, go back for your reunion. Um, I, I don't, I haven't been to a reunion in a while. I apologize. I, I guess I'm an old guy and I got too many other things going on in my life, but, uh, uh have fun. It, it's a great time.
2: All right. Um, I will, I will do my best to, uh, to have as much fun as I can. So um, you, you'll get a report on whatever the next episode is about uh, how that went. And if you are in Durham this weekend and you see me, I don't know how you would recognize me because uh, you don't know what I look like. Um, but if you see me, uh, feel free to say hi. <laughs>
0: Donald, your turn. What's your parting shot? Uh,
1: my parting shot is just kind of a reflection over the last month. Uh, we, you know, I've, I've said it a lot uh, over the last uh, few podcast episodes, but I just went uh, even with the, uh, national championship, you know, adding that to the collective that was the NCAA tournament this year, uh, it was nothing short of fantastic. I, you know, even though we didn't win it all, it was one of the best uh, that I've seen in my lifetime. Um, I, I think I can use that uh, that pretty easily, um, and it's it's been a thrill to kind of watch all these things. One shining moment was one of those that I actually stayed up to watch, even though it didn't involve my team and didn't have many Duke highlights in it. Just the mini highlights, I'd, like the editing room floor for One Shiny Moment must be full of footage that they could have used, but, but just couldn't find the time uh, to make it in the three minute and 17 seconds uh, that Luther Vandross is singing to us. But I, I just want to say that it was a great tournament. I hope next year's is just as fantastic. And of course, I hope at the end, uh, the One Shiny Moment will end with uh, us, uh, our, our team, watching One Shiny Moment uh, from the floor in uh, Phoenix.
0: I love it. I love it. So uh, my parting shot, I've got I got two things. The first one is um, a, a shame on you to both the Pitt Panthers and the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, two ACC teams who in just the past week or so have hired new coaches. And in both cases, they hired coaches that A, are not exciting to their fan base and B, are really exciting to the fan bases that they left because those fan bases are thrilled that those guys aren't coaching there anymore how can you hire a guy that were from a school where the the school was thrilled to get rid of them that's not a good sign pitt hired kevin stallings from from vanderbilt um he 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 had some good years at vanderbilt but but lately had not been very good and georgia tech hired josh pastner sorry georgia tech hired josh pastner from memphis who a couple years ago looked like he was a real rising star in the coaching profession, but has really struggled the past couple of seasons. Memphis did not even make the NIT, did not even make the NIT this season, playing in the American Athletic Conference or whatever. And, and Memphis is at school with some major league tradition there. Um, you know, a school that has been a major basketball power. We, we, we mentioned it earlier in the broadcast. As recently as 2008, they're playing for the national title. And Josh Pastner has taken that program in a decidedly downward stance over the past few years. Um, Georgia Tech and Pitt, what are you thinking? These are not good hires. And, and, and for Tech, especially as someone who lives in Atlanta, um, there is a tremendous, tremendous amount of talent Coming through the Metro Atlanta area in terms of college bas- uh, high school basketball players. Um, uh, really, it's it's an unprecedented um, amount of talent that that is here right now in Atlanta, um, including Wendell Carter, who who Duke is working very hard to get. Considered by many to be the number one player in the 2017 class, but 2017, 2018, and even 2019 look like there are uh, there. There's going to be multiple top 25, top 30 players from metro atlanta and if georgia tech brought in the right kind of guy who could really excite the fan base and 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 bring these kids in tech could instantly elevate to the top of the acc or at least the top half of the acc and i don't think josh passion is that guy he is a very very good recruiter so in that regard i think he'll you know he may be okay but there's so much negative recruiting so much stuff that has gone on regarding how um uh how how difficult his tenure at memphis has been the past few years i think he's going to struggle to recruit um you know given some of the negative things that have been said about him and and i think it's a a really bad hire and I, i'm i'm disappointed in georgia tech and pittsburgh for not upping their game for not trying to keep up with the rest of the acc there there's some fine fine coaching that happens in the acc and and i love it when we get it all the way down to the bottom and i think these two teams are both going to take steps back i think they have both um, neither one of them have has elevated, has elevated themselves at all with these coaching hires. I think it's going to be big mistakes for both of them, um, and and they're not going to be pleased with it. So that's part
1: one of my parting shot. I'll, I will say really quickly. I'm very Go. glad that uh, Georgia Tech did not. Uh, I know they were showing interest in Jeff Capel. I'm very glad that that did not transpire uh, for sh- for sure for solely uh, selfish reasons.
0: Yes, yes, because it keeps him here, and, and I also think. If Jeff Capel, you know, I'm sure he would have spoken to Coach K about it and they would have worked out something. But um, if Jeff Capel had gone to Georgia Tech, I think he would have worked very, very hard on getting Wendell Carter. Um, Jeff Capel's been Duke's lead recruiter on Wendell Carter. Um, Wendell Carter is a huge, huge, important recruit for Duke. And, and I'm thrilled that Tech did not get Jeff Capel, although I think it would have been a great hire. They would have been really happy if they'd gotten him. And and the other guy that they were talking about, they were talking about getting Quanzo Martin from Cal, who is a fabulous recruiter and really did a very nice job at Cal this year. Um, and I think we're lucky Georgia Tech did not get Quanzo Martin either. Um, and that they got Josh Passner instead. Um, so part two of my parting shot is thank you to both of you, um, guys, it's much fun this This, year this was unexpected yeah yeah It, it is it has been so much fun this year uh we we've we've shared in the responsibility and the joy that is the dbr podcast and and it's not just thank you to the two of you it's thank you to the dozens and dozens maybe more than a couple dozen people out there who are listening to us um who've been giving us feedback Uh, who just have been downloading and and apparently enjoying what we have to say. Guys, we are just three fans like all the rest of you. We have no great special insight. We have no um, uh, special genius uh, about college basketball. Um, We're just trying to give you all a little bit of a a shared fan experience. And it has been unbelievably fun, as much fun this year as it was last year when Duke was, of course, national champions. Um, Season two of the DBR podcast, in my opinion, just because we didn't win it all. Just as great, just as much fun as, as last year. And and again, thanks to you two guys for for being my compadres on this. It's been it's been really really fabulous.
2: I actually I meant to say something about that and then and then got myself sidetracked with reunion. Um, but uh, but in, entirely what you said. Uh, it it amazes me that there are as many hits on our SoundCloud page as there are. Uh, so so thank you so much uh, to to all the. To all the people who listen, we ain't doing
1: nothing. We ain't doing nothing.
2: You know? <laughs> we're just we're talking, and recording. And and the <laughs> best thing about it, and, and I and I think that you guys and and all the people who listen share in this in this thank you, which is that um, you guys are probably the same way I would imagine because you're both active on the DBR forum. Um, you both like other sports. You both have all these interests, and you both obviously like to talk because you wanted to do this project with me. Um, you know, <laughs> I think one of the things that that I you know, socially have to, have to manage is the amount that I talk about my sports fandom uh, to those who aren't necessarily interested about it. And since we started doing this, I have noticed personally a huge drop in the amount of like one-sided conversations that I have with, with friends and family and acquaintances just about like about basketball or w- whatever it is. Like I, I now have to talk about other things because I'm like, you know what, for about a, during the basketball season for about an hour a week. I just I just talk about basketball with two other two other guys who love basketball right. like basketball as much as I do. Um, so I'm I'm actually it, it's really great. It's a, it's a great outlet for me to just be like this is my time when I talk about Duke basketball, and then otherwise I don't have to I don't have to talk about it as much. And sometimes you know for my friends who who know that I do this um, and who listen occasionally, they'll ask me what I think about such and such, and I'll be like, well, you can just turn on the podcast from last week and like I I already said it. I like put it on the internet. Um, so, uh, so, so in that regard, it's, uh, it's, it's really fantastic. So yeah, to echo Jason, just thank you. Thank you too. And, and thank everybody else. Um, I, I expect to continue doing this for, for a long time. I, I hope that you guys are too.
1: So, you know, I, well, we were starting this a year and a half ago, almost a year and a half ago. Uh, I mentioned that 90%, I, I read some stat that 90, like 3% of all podcasts on Planet Earth, and we're talking about over a billion different podcasts, 93% of them don't last more than seven episodes before they flounder. Uh, you know, if you count our specially coded episodes like the Shane Batty episode, uh, the seventy-four, seventy-three episode, uh, I think we're like 53-54 episodes in. So, you know, we've more than passed that. We've shattered that. And, you know, next season, if we, you know, continue with this, you know, once a week or, you know, once every couple weeks – you know, we're going to be inching closer to 100, which is something that very few podcasts ever reach. Uh, and that is thanks to, one, you know, a, a lot of people, um, I know people uh, ask me, oh, why isn't there a podcast this week? And and I'm sure a lot of you guys out there know that, you know, there's three of us. That, this also means there's three different, very, very busy schedules. Uh, we all have different things going on uh, outside of Duke basketball, which is hard to believe, uh, seeing how much as we talk about it every week. But you know, it's very difficult to get three people on the same page as to when you can meet. We've, you know, we've done podcasts at eleven thirty at night. We've done podcasts at seven in the morning, five in the morning for for Sam. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let,
2: let's clarify that. It's five o'clock in the morning. So. Five in
1: the morning. So, <laughs> and, and, and for and for us uh, on the East Coast, you know, we've done we've been up at one a.m. Uh, recording podcasts after basketball games. So, uh, it's very difficult to and get- editing. In editing, editing, oh, oh my I, god. I, I, Sometimes I I'm editing until 3 a.m. I mean, right.
2: <laughs> Jason, I think Jason does it more than Donald does, but I, I don't exactly know what the breakdown is. Um but for those who don't it's know about 80, 20. It's about 8020. Yeah, it's about 80 twenty. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if we ever talk about this, but Jason does almost, like a lot of the editing. Donald does some of it, and I as soon as it's over, I log off and don't know what happens until it gets posted. <laughs> um so uh so you guys, you guys are the re- Jason, you're the real MVP. Donald, you're like Russell Westbrook or whatever, and I'm like <laughs> In I'm like Enis Cantor.
1: Sometimes I get triple doubles. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just great that, you know, you have an outlet to talk about. It's a fun project. Like, we obviously wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't fun. We're not, you know, sitting here like, guys, we really need to talk about Duke basketball. How do we do this and, and make it sound entertaining? This Like, you guys are getting us uh, in our natural element talking about a team that we so, you know, love just as much uh, as you guys out there do. So thank you guys, uh, you two, for uh, giving me an outlet to, you know, kind of, Talk about Duke basketball, to vent about Carolina, uh, and, and and other things in, in related to college basketball. A, a subject that uh, I would be talking about anyway. I just wouldn't be recording it. Um, and it's good to talk with it with two guys uh, that have become good friends, and, and I've actually gotten to meet both of them um, over the course of this. When, when when we started this, we had not met each other, which is also something that is very rare uh, when it comes to podcasting. And but so also-
2: awkward, it's so awkward the first time we talked. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, I I want you guys. That's, that's that's a good thing. I think you know in this next week, uh, if everyone listens to this podcast go back and take a listen to that first, that very first ever podcast oh. and just, no, see, please, and please, just no. see how much we've improved from then to now. Like it's, it's, it's light years, uh, you know, compared to when we first started, but thank you guys for being a part of this or, and letting me be a part of this. And thank you guys out there for keep, you know, quote unquote, keeping us on the air so long, you know, if you guys didn't listen, we would probably have stopped this a long time ago, but for some reason, you guys tune in uh, week after week, episode after episode, and we cannot thank you enough for it.
0: Amen, amen. Well, guys... Um we were talking about know, the inconvenience on our lives and, and trying to get things together. Um, we've been on for uh, for over an hour now, and uh, uh, I'm getting the high sign from my wife, so uh, yeah. I'm going to wrap things up for us. <laughs> um, gentlemen, uh, Sam Klein, Donald Wine, thank you again for joining me. Fans out there, thank you so much for listening in. Um, that is it for this episode of the DBR podcast. The uh, the season is done. We are officially very, very much in the off-season. Um, if there's major news, we'll try and get back out here and, and Talk to you about it. Um, if not, we'll we'll find time um, over the next few months, maybe to bring you some special guests, uh, like we did last year when we we got Shane Battier, we got Chris Collins, um, uh, we got Wojo. Did we get what? Did we get Wojo? No, we didn't get Wojo. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet I think I've been, I've been working hard on Wojo. That, that's why I had it in my head. We got Nolan Smith. Uh, we we had a we had a great off season. We'll try and do that for you again this season. Um, but uh, but that's it for now. I am Jason Evans, this week's host for Sam and Donald. Thanks again. Duke band, take us home.